The first reading for this fourth Sunday after Easter comes from the book of Acts, chapter 20, starting with verse 17. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Be pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend to you, to God, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands you yourselves know that these hands necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading comes from the revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 7, starting with verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the, before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures 
And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of these elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where do they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them from his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. according to St. John, the 10th chapter. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And the Bible is very rich in its talking about shepherd and sheep. God refers, of course, to the nation of Israel as his sheep. And in Ezekiel, he describes his sheep 
as being scattered all over the face of the world, not gathered together as a flock should be, no shepherd tending to them. Because, of course, the leaders of Israel were not doing their job, not caring for the sheep. And the sheep, scattered and without a shepherd, also means that they are defenseless. Easy pickings for a prowling lion, which in this case is the devil, and his temptation to faithlessness. We might think about David when he was a boy. And as the youngest son, his father had relegated him to keeping the family flock, keeping the sheep. In the story of Goliath, David's older brothers are away in the army. Uh, they're arrayed against the Philistines there, and David's father, Jesse, says, hey, go and see how it is with your brothers and take them, take them this food. And so David does that. He leaves the sheep, and he goes, and he meets with his brothers there, and they don't seem to be very happy about it. Uh, he says a couple of things there, uh, not against them, but here's this Goliath guy, and he, David's wondering about him. And His older brother Eliab says in essence to him, what are you doing here? Go back to the sheep. Go back to that little flock that you were keeping. Kind of a derogatory way to speak. But keeping the sheep was a menial, dirty task the lowest job, not like a warrior of Israel. Jesus tells a parable about a lost sheep. He says that the shepherd leaves behind the 99 and goes in search of the one. And then when he finds that one, he brings it home, puts it on his shoulders, and carries it safely home. And Jesus tells this parable to the Pharisees and the scribes because they, of course, are the ones who are supposed to be shepherding the people. They're grumbling because Jesus is accepting um, invitations to go and eat with sinners, with tax collectors, with prostitutes, and they think this is not a good idea. Of course, if you eat with somebody in that culture, if you invite someone into your house and, and eat with them, or if you go to somebody's house and eat with them, there is a kinship there that's different than just an acquaintance. They, the person is now uh, kind of saying, I will protect you while you are here. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they don't see that this is a good connection between any real rabbi, any real godly person. In Jesus, God has come to seek the sheep of Israel as he has promised in the prophets. But those who are neglecting the flock don't like it. In fact, right after our reading today, the Jews pick up stones to kill Jesus because they recognize that he is claiming to be one with the Father. He is claiming to be God. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We, we sometimes use this phrase, uh, 
out of my hand. We say, well, it's out of my hands now. And what we're kind of saying is, I don't have control over it anymore. I guess I have to relinquish that control. I can't do anything about that. But we kind of wish that we still had control over it, maybe. We might even say something like, well, it's in God's hands now. As though we've done all we can do. Uh, we have no more control, so I guess it's going to have to be God. Kind of as a, that's too bad <laughs> that God is in control of it now. Of course, all state wants you to feel good. Right? They say, uh, you're in good hands now with uh, all states insurance. Jesus is talking about you when he says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch you out of Jesus' hand, out of the Father's hand. Your baptism has put you there, put you into the hand of God. Better hands even than all state. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, we hear this passage quoted from time to time and maybe enough times that we kind of gloss over some of the key phrases there. Uh, we know this is the sort of picture that Jesus paints. The shepherd calls to the sheep and they know his voice and they follow him. And it wasn't uncommon for shepherds of that time to pool their flocks at night. You'd have one enclosure, maybe you made it of branches or something like that, something to protect the sheep from wolves or something, thieves. Maybe it's a, a rock wall, one door. You know that image of the shepherd lying in front of the door. But several people would bring their small flocks into that area there so that they could all take turns, all help watching them at night. And then in the morning, the shepherd would go to the doorway there and he would call out his sheep and the sheep would recognize his voice and they would get up and only his sheep would come out and follow that shepherd. But notice that that's not exactly what Jesus says here. He doesn't say, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. You are not in God's flock because you knew the voice of your shepherd when you heard it. And you recognized that this was your savior. And you figured out that it would be a good thing to come out and follow him. Notice that what Jesus says here is, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. You follow Christ. You are in God's flock. You are one of his sheep because he knew you. Because he called you by the power of his Holy Spirit through the gospel. And he gave you faith to believe. He gave you faith to recognize his voice. Today, you recognize the voice of your Savior. You are his sheep because, because he came looking for you. He found you when you were lost, found you when you were going your own way. And he lifted up you, lifted you up onto his shoulders, and he carried you home.
God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Jesus doesn't just know about you. He knows you. He formed your very being. He created you, carefully crafting each cell and every sinew. Just as carefully, just as intimately, just as hands-on as he created Adam and Eve. He knows what you did, what you thought, what you felt before you came to church this morning. He knows every thought, word, every deed of yours from now until he comes again. He even knows the moment of your death. That's certainly out of our hands and well kept in his. 1 Corinthians 13 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. God knows us fully, knows and understands and gives grace in every pain, every heartache, every longing in this mortal life. He knows our doubts and our defiance. He knows our failings and our fears. He knows our temptations and he knows our every sin. We are fully known and we are fully loved. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And David wrote a psalm about that love. He wrote a psalm a thousand years before the angel Gabriel appeared to a scared young virgin girl in Nazareth to tell her that she would be the mother of the Savior, the mother of the shepherd of the sheep. So let's turn in our hymnals to the front to Psalm 23 on this Good Shepherd Sunday. And we'll read this psalm responsively. We'll read it by half verse. And that's denoted by an asterisk. And then at the end, you'll notice that it is um, bold, the uh, Gloria Patri, Glory be to the Father, that's bold, so we'll all read all of that together. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the 
He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Beautiful words of David's. And many of us sitting here today have been through what we would call the valley of the shadow of death. And for you, it might have been an actual death. It might have been the death of a child or of a parent or the death of a beloved spouse, husband, or wife. It may have been your own impending death. Maybe you've been there at death's door, not known whether you were going to make it through the night or not. Or maybe your valley of the shadow took on some other form, maybe an illness or some medical diagnosis. It might have been a heart attack or stroke or some other traumatic, life-shaking event. Or maybe your valley of the shadow of death looks altogether different. Maybe what you struggle with is some past sin or that weighs on you, one that maybe even altered your life. If you drive along I-70 through the mountains, you're going to come to places where the walls are nearly vertical or vertical, almost seem even to overhang the road. And you look up and you see those countless rocks. You wonder why that one hasn't fallen yet and will it fall as I drive underneath it. I think especially of Glenwood Canyon with all the tiny rocks all stacked on each other. It all looks like it's about to collapse at any moment. And whatever your valley of the shadow of death is, maybe it feels like you're looking at those rocks. Maybe it feels like they're about to come crashing down on you. And I won't tell you that they won't come crashing down. I can't say that God is going to heal you or that God is going to keep your loved one from dying or that you won't go through some other traumatic event in your life that will alter your life forever. What I can say is that you have a shepherd, that he's a good shepherd. And he knows you, and he goes with you through that valley. And I'd say he's not even walking beside you. He's leading you. He's out in front. He calls you to follow. He's already gone before you through the most fearful valley, through hell itself, through death. Over a hundred years ago, an author named James Allen said, the world steps aside for the man who knows where he is going. And today we might say, well, the world steps aside 
but death steps aside for no man. Everybody faces death at one point or another, as long as Christ has not returned. Jesus met death. And for the first time, death had to step aside. Thanks be to God that Jesus humbled himself to take on the dirty work of being our shepherd. Our shepherd has gone to the cross for us, has died, was buried in the tomb, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. So we don't have to fear that valley of the shadow of death because Christ is with us, because he is our shepherd, because he knows us, and we follow him. And he will see us through that valley. That's the promise that I can make to you. He will even make death step aside for you and give you eternal life. So I encourage you today, maybe tonight as you're getting ready to go to sleep, maybe as you're saying your prayers, praying for God to forgive you where you've sinned today and to give you help where you need it, I encourage you to read the 10th chapter, the whole chapter of John, where our reading comes from today, and even into chapter 11. That's Lazarus being raised from the dead. Chapter 10 is the Good Shepherd chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. And then, having read that, having said your prayers, put all things in the hands of God, in the hands of Jesus, who has you in his own loving arms. And go to sleep in peace and rest in him. He has laid you across his shoulders and he's carrying you home. Rejoice, dear sheep, of the shepherd. You are in good hands. Amen. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.